everyone, this is Chris. And this is Steve. And you're listening to slash watching on YouTube, One Cross Radio. And uh, today we are rejoined by Steve. Steve, how you doing, bud? I'm doing okay, man. How are you? Doing all right. It's been too long since we've seen each other. Yep. Yeah, that's yep. fair. It's been, it's been a busy season. Uh, so, dear listener, we were off last week uh, just because, um, unfortunately... Uh, my wife's grandfather slash Pastor Tom, frequent guest um, and awesome father-in-law's father has passed away, uh, but we are still rejoicing. He has gone home to be home with the Lord. He served him faithfully for 95 years. Uh, the man created a legacy. Uh, the Lord used him greatly, so while we miss him, we rejoice. Um, during that time, we have also crossed a couple milestones. Uh, today is our 50th episode, son. I'm excited. Oh, that high five was terrible. <laughs> and that's the downside to video. <laughs> yeah, that's the downside. You lose room. Let's let's get this better, though. There we go. I just meant the downside of videos. People get to see what doofuses we are. Oh, yeah, that's true. That's the upside. You, you get to see uh, we're, we're Dorcases and the weird... High five. Chris music. falls over. <laughs> Um, we also crossed a thousand downloads, which I know for, for some podcasts and other people, they're like, oh, okay, that's me. That was like my goal where at one point I was joking. I'm so like, this is also the last episode. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was my joke with Jill. I'm like, all right, I've hit a thousand. It's downhill from here. I'm just going to hop off. Like we've done with certain shows where it's, this is the happiest possible ending ever for these characters. Yeah. Now's the time to dip. I just spend my days off downloading episodes and then deleting them and downloading them again just to make you feel good. (laughs) (laughs) Especially the ones with me in them. (laughs) I appreciate it, Steve. I appreciate it. Uh, So today we are uh, doing our our Ask a Pastor series. Um, And yes, that is you, Pastor Steve, rocking a Cornell t-shirt. By t-shirt, I mean sweater. Sweatshirt. Sweatshirt. And I am rocking a... One Cross Radio sweatshirt. <laughs> Sorry if you saw my belly. Uh, I don't think they did. I did, though. Okay, good, good. Well, yeah. Nothing new. <laughs> Nothing new. Uh, which you can check out at our Redbubble store. Sorry. So I, I actually got this in Ithaca, New York, because my dad used to work at Cornell, not because I like the office. Yeah, fair enough. Although Everyone that... always asks me that when I wear this. Yeah, no, that's fair, because uh, Cornell was a huge part of Andy. Yeah, um, Cornell existed before the office <laughs> yep no but certain things i also about. lived right near scranton pennsylvania i went to bible college there nice which school was that it's called it used to be called baptist bible college now it's called clark summit university in this little town next we've to we've talked about this before right like Probably. The, the name change was yeah they wanted to be able to send missionaries to countries that wouldn't be like oh bible college yeah and that's so, fair that's yeah. fair um so pastor steve Hi, Chris. Uh, hi. Uh, like a professional, I totally have some questions ready for you. I'm not at all stalling for time and clicking through my phone to get to them. But <laughs> uh, I have, like a professional, I have a Bible with a mug holding one place open and a phone holding another place open, so I can answer these <laughs> questions well. So, but you can't see this, uh, those watching and especially those listening. Uh, the phone you definitely can't see it. <laughs> the phone holding it open has a Bible case kind of thing. Wow. So it looks like a Bible is holding open the other Bible. It just has a little, like it's a little book, but it looks like it's got a cross because of the camera. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, it's falling apart. It looks like a well-used Bible is all I'm saying. Sezen? Saying. Wow. Uh, so. It's always Sezen. It's always Sezen. <laughs> all right, so uh, Steve, first question for you. 
is uh is there such a place as purgatory hmm well yeah all the questions that you told me about beforehand are they obviously come from a very catholic uh, yeah. background and i think it's it's fair to uh, if you haven't figured that out by now neither of us are catholic yeah no. um i'm baptist and you're agc slash which is basically the same thing as baptist <laughs> just a little confusing a few things I'm just um uh so part part of where we're going to be coming from answering all these questions is that the bible is our highest authority yeah right? whereas the catholic church um most of these questions don't like the the, the teachings that these questions are about aren't based on the bible they're yeah, based on no. the church's teaching which comes after the bible or uh so we're talking about purgatory first yes yeah that one yeah. that one particularly comes from well it was the history of it is it was developed by the church <clears throat> as a way to try to understand how salvation and, and those kinds of things worked out. Uh, and eventually they included some books in what we call the Apocrypha in the Bible, which any, everyone besides the Catholic Church don't count as right. true biblical books, uh, but the church councils and uh, leadership had the ability and in, in their understanding of things to add teaching uh, to the biblical teaching, right? So they, they did that because it supports purgatory to try and kind of strengthen their position. So uh, if you don't... Aren't, quite sure on what purgatory is uh listeners and watchers uh it's the idea that <clears throat> after you die uh there's a sort of an in-between place between heaven and hell uh that's sort of a, a waiting zone of sort of soft suffering like a little bit of yeah. a little bit of suffering in which you are able to work off some of your sins for a period of time uh before you eventually go to heaven so that's for people who, for example, would be Catholics or Christians who had committed sins that weren't mortal sins. In the Catholic understanding, there's two different levels of sin. There's the, the venial sins and there's mortal sins. And if you commit a mortal sin and it's not confessed, you just go straight to hell. Yeah. But if you, if you have um, venial sins, which are, are lesser things, things like that aren't murder and adultery, uh, and you go... Uh, and, and you don't confess those before you die, then you would go to purgatory to work them off before you go to heaven, right? So I think you talked to your father-in-law about the suicide. idea of suicide. Yeah. And that's that's where that question comes from too, yeah. right? Suicide is self-murder, which means you have no chance to confess it, which is why you would they, they yeah. believe you would go to hell. Well, I, you might have noticed the listener or the viewer did. A uh, listener would have just heard me not saying. Like, I zoned out. I was still listening to you because I'm like, no, that's, that's where that question comes from. Yeah. I was instantly thinking of talking to Tom about suicide and even when I was gathering these very Catholic questions mm -hmm. like I saw that very thing come up where it's like no you can't go to heaven if you commit suicide which I disagree with mm -hmm. numerously uh, give me one quick Luna, Luna. <laughs> yeah um, so that's where that came from right <laughs> <laughs> um we just pause things and I don't know where we are in this uh, so yeah so that's that's sort of where that question comes from and and I, I mean, again, as, as somebody who isn't a Catholic, uh, and uh, I disagree, obviously, with some of the theology of Catholicism, particularly the idea of getting teaching, uh, authoritative teaching about who God is and what it means to be a Christian from anywhere besides the Bible. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of the early church fathers have helpful thoughts, uh, but where it contradicts the Bible, I, I my stance, uh, because of the Bible, is that I, I hold to the Bible and I would reject anything else. And the Bible gives us this really strong teaching that there's only one way to... Um, be saved and and it's not based on 
confessing our sins to a priest. No. Uh, that that doesn't make any difference in the, end of the day. Uh, confessing sin is, is something that's commanded in the Bible. It's helpful yeah. in our walk with God. Yeah. Um, but the abs- the idea that there's a somebody who's uh, as a pastor as as somebody you know who would be sort of analogous to a Catholic priest in, in the Baptist tradition, um, like the the idea that I stand between. Um, the laity, regular people who aren't clergy, and and God is just not biblical. That the only person who's yeah. a priest for us still is is Jesus, uh, and we don't need to go to somebody to have our sins confess uh, to confess our sins, right? No. And so even in the book of Hebrews, one of the verses that I have here um, is in Hebrews chapter ten. I'm reading out of the HCSB, the Holman Christian Standard Bible, just because that's the Bible that Chris had on hand, and I forgot to bring mine. Yeah. Uh, it talks about Jesus being the high priest. Um, and, and in there, uh, it talks about Jesus being the one who offered the sacrifice that's sufficient to pay for our sins. Right? Yeah. He he uh, he didn't need to sacrifice himself over and over again no. because it, he only needed to have the one sacrifice, and that pays for sins, past, present, and future. If you have faith in, in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and here's what it says. Let me see if I can find the verse really quick. Um. So in the context of that, of Jesus being our high priest, of offering himself as a sacrifice, it says in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27, and just as, just as it is, a, it is <laughs> Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27, and just as it is appointed for people to die once, and after this, judgment, right? So there's, there's, you die, and then there's a decision made by God about where you go, what your eternity is going to be, and that's based on the sacrifice of Christ, Right? You die once and after this judgment. So also the Messiah, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time. Not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. So the idea there, and if you read that chapter in context in the, in the rest of Hebrews, is um, Christ didn't need to sacrifice himself over and over again because our sins are taken care of once. And so for us, we die once and then we're judged. It's either eternity with Christ or eternity apart from Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing that I think is really helpful, and we talked about this last time we did... Uh, uh, ask the pastor with me. Yeah. Uh, we talked about the, the thief on the cross. Right? Yeah. And what did Jesus say to the thief on the cross? Jesus says, I tell you, this is in Luke chapter um, 23. Um, he says, today I, w- I will be with you in paradise. Right? Um, in Luke chapter 23, verse 43. Uh, and we talked about what that means about Jesus' eternity and destiny. Not eternity, but Jesus' destiny after the cross. Did he go to hell for a while? Yeah. No, he went to heaven. No, he, um, but... <laughs> But what, the, what that means also for the, the thief, think about somebody who spent their entire life as a rebellious thief, probably actually an insurrectionist, you yeah. know, rebelling against the government. If anybody needed to, you know, go to purgatory, it was him, Yeah. right? Probably, I mean, he never confessed murder. He's on the cross. He's probably murdered. He probably would have gone to hell by yeah. the Catholic understanding of things, except it says, today, today you'll be with me in paradise, right? So there just doesn't seem to be any sense of uh, having to have your sins absolved by a priest and, and definitely not an idea of purgatory as an in-between place. So I think yeah. that's that's pretty clear in the Bible. Yeah. Oh, there was a couple times where I was kind of chuckling because when you started to say one way, in my head I was like, to Jesus! And that, Is that a song? Yes. Okay. Uh, a worship tune. Just look it up. Uh, <laughs> and also because Luna is singing and trying to, oh no, <laughs> trying to take a squeaking toy off the table, which I now have to claim back. Excuse me. I have no idea where we were. I we have just, to pause we just, again. We just finished that first question. So thank you. On thank the you. question number 
Dos. Number dos. Numero two. Um, so all these questions, as we've kind of alluded to, are very Catholic. Mm. Uh, the second one is, was Mary a perpetual virgin? Mm. And uh, my slight asterisk is, does it matter? Oh, you didn't tell me that part. Yeah, I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think all these questions matter because yeah, yeah. Uh, they... The, we have to believe what the Bible says, yes. right? So yes. in that sense, they matter. The other reason this one matters is because um, in the Catholic tradition, Mary, or the Virgin Mary, mm-hmm. uh, is raised in a in a, yeah. a very interesting way to be the, like a co-redemptrix, they would call her, uh, in terms of Jesus redeemed us from our sins, but Mary also had a hand in that, right? Yeah. Uh, that Mary was sort of a... Uh, praying to the Father to appease the wrath and and and, and doing things um, alongside of her son uh, in a way that again the Bible doesn't say and that comes from later teaching uh, yeah. that was brought along afterwards. Um, there's also this sense in in which, um, well, not a sense a, a clear teaching of the Catholic tradition is that Mary was also immaculately conceived, right? So that Jesus what yeah that Mary had no sin. Uh, oh, yeah. And that so Jesus <laughs> things Chris didn't know and yeah. uh, did not so, restrain himself from reacting to in certain ways. <laughs> so Jesus, as we as we the Bible teaches, uh, because he's fully God and fully man, uh, uh, completely God, completely man, he is uh, without sin. And so part of the teaching that's come along in the Catholic Church from that has been that well, if he had was without sin, but he was human, then his human mother must have also had no sin. And so they, I don't know why that chain stops with Mary and not just continuing down yeah. the line. I'm not, I'm not sure. I, I haven't looked into what the, the teaching on that would yeah. be. Um, but So they, the Catholic Church would teach that about Mary. Um, and and again, that, that's just not something that's, that you find in the Bible. Uh, in no. fact, uh, you find Mary doubting Jesus uh, in the Bible in terms of um, you know, she thinks he's gone crazy at one point in the book of Mark. If I can find that. Is it in the book of Mark? I hope it's in the book of Mark. <laughs> Let's see. I have a bookmark, so hopefully it's there. Um, Matthew. Mark. Yeah. But is it also in Matthew? I might need to pause this again. But anyway. Uh, yeah? Well, I don't know. I'll, I'll, I'll look for it. I'll let so it. In the, in the gospel of Mark... I wasn't planning to go here, but now you <laughs> asterisk the question on Yeah, me. I'm sorry. No, it's okay. It's all good. It's all good. We got it. The Gospel of Mark, Jesus' is teaching, and Mary comes to try and get him to stop. I can't find it right now. Um, yeah. She, she, uh, she comes and she brings her other sons with her to try and stop Jesus from doing what he's doing. And, and people come to him and say, Jesus, your mother and your brothers are here to, to pull you out of this. And Jesus says, well, who are my mother? Who are my brothers? Those who believe in, in God, yeah. right? Um, that's in the gospel of Mark. I can't find the reference right now. It's somewhere in the middle. Anyway, um, so that also speaks to the fact that Mary had other sons, uh, which the Catholic church would believe they were Joseph's sons and not Mary's, like Joseph's from another um, marriage, I guess. But again, that's, that's sort of just which also was never mentioned. Yeah, not mentioned in the Bible. It doesn't say they were her stepsons. Um, so yeah, you have Mary in there doubting Jesus' mission, right? So you see her her sin of doubt mm-hmm. even in that. Um, and, and Mary was a person that the Gospel of Luke tells us that she found 
favor with God. She was a godly woman. She loved God. Uh, and hi, Luna. Um, and, and, you know, those, that's not to put her down in any way, but she was no. just a human like us that found yeah. favor or grace uh, with, with God, right? Another really important uh, passage is <laughs> in Matthew chapter 13, <laughs> Luna's all over me right now, yeah, aren't you? Yeah, seriously, it's hey, cute. Not right now, okay? Okay, goodbye. Um, in Matthew chapter 13, when he goes to his hometown <laughs> um, and he tries to tell people about who he, who he is, this is Jesus, um, the people's response in Matthew chapter 13, 55 is, isn't this the carpenter's son? Isn't his mother called Mary and his brothers, James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas? So um, the we, we, most people think that James mentioned here uh, is not that James was one of the disciples, but he's the James who becomes really prominent in the book of Acts, and he wrote the book of James, and that Judas, written here again, is not one of the disciples, but he's the one who wrote the book of Jude mm. uh, in the New Testament as well. And um, so that's, we see there that getting mauled by a tiger. Um, should we pause this and, and go back a little bit? Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, with the Catholic teaching that that Mary is without sin, I think there's a, a good verse that we can look at in the Bible that shows uh, that that's not true. In, in Mark chapter three, um, what Jesus is teaching, uh, he we see that his family actually comes to try and restrain him because it says they think that he's out of his mind. So Mark three, there's a section in here where he's uh, accused by the Pharisees of being casting out demons uh, in the name of Satan, and then it comes back to the story of his family, right? And Mark does this a lot. He makes these sandwiches. They're called Mark and sandwiches. Uh, that, like he starts telling a story and then he tells another story and then he finishes the first story. It happens all the way through the book of Mark. And the point is that the stories are related and you can tell what's going on in them by looking at each other. So the idea is that he's showing that the, the lack of faith of the Pharisees is seen in his family as well. Yeah. And so when it picks up in verse 31, the first thing it says is, then his mother and his brothers came and standing outside, they sent word to him and called him. A crowd was sitting around him and told him, Look, your mother and your brothers and your sisters are outside asking for you. He replied to them, Who are my mother and my brothers? And looking around at those who were sitting in the circle around him, he said, Here are my mother and my brothers. Whoever does the will of God is my brother and sister and mother. So in that one we see, first of all, the doubt of Mary over who her son was and what he was doing, which is a sin, right? Yeah. Uh, not that Mary is a, a terrible person. She was no. a godly woman who loved, loved the Lord, and, and she found favor and grace with God to, to be the mother of Jesus. Mm -hmm. uh, but the Bible shows her sinning. And yeah. it also shows in here that she had other daughters and sons besides yeah. Jesus. Um, and, and it wasn't like there was any biblical reference to it being from joseph's apparent first marriage or right right as stepchildren <clears throat> where with stepchildren or children from other marriages the bible has specified that um possibly yeah, yeah. i mean i, I mean, think so but i mean yeah the idea is like joseph's out of the picture and these children these sons and daughters are with mary right yeah. i mean uh so yeah i think you have to add teaching to make it be anything other than that yeah but i think the other important that kind of puts a nail in the coffin for me uh, is in Matthew after if you remember Mary gets the um, vision or she she is, gets visited by angel Gabriel and then she mm -hmm. tells Joseph and Joseph's trying to figure out what to do about it and then he gets visited by an angel too um, and then it says in Matthew chapter 1 verse 24 when Joseph got up from sleeping he did as the Lord's angel had commanded him he married her and then verse 25 says but he did not know her intimately he didn't have sex with her yeah until she gave birth to a son and he named him Jesus yeah so that doesn't say they he never, never never had sex with her. He said until yeah. So the idea here is that he didn't. He wanted to make it very clear that this wasn't his earthly son, 
um, that Jesus was the son of God. But then after that, they had other children together. So I, I think the idea is very clear in the Bible that Mary wasn't perpetually a virgin. And this also ties into the next question that you're going to ask yes, as well. Yes, it, um, it does. So go it's ahead and ask segue. that question and we'll talk so, about it. So, yeah, the, uh, that was a great segue. Uh, the final question we have for you today, uh, Pastor Steve, is, is sex only for procreation? Yeah. Okay. And that's that's a really important question too because um, the question behind the question is, is sex sinful? Yeah. Right? Is sex dirty? Yeah. So part of the reason that Mary is considered a perpetual virgin in the Catholic teaching is because traditionally in the Catholic Church, uh, sex has been seen as a sin. Sex has been seen as the original sin even by some. Like Adam and Eve were kicked out of the garden for sex uh, by some people's understanding of it. <laughs> Uh, and and that's just not okay. again what the Bible teaches. It, yeah, it, no. it actually isn't at all. I mean, no. The original sin was just disobedience of God. Yeah. Right? Romans chapter one talks about not one. Uh, yeah, chapter one and two talks about the original sin that all of us uh, repeat that Adam and Eve committed was just saying, "I want to be in charge of my own life. I don't want God to be God. I don't want Him on the throne of my life." And that's what yeah. Adam and Eve did when they listened to Satan and ate the fruit rather than obeying God's God's good command. That's what all of us do every time we sin. Um, yeah. But but really important, whenever we talk about stuff of humanity, what it means to be a human and what sexuality is all about, it's really important to go back to the story of creation in Genesis 2 um, because that's where all this stuff starts, right? Um, mm -hmm. So let's look there together quickly. Oh, there's some distinct sound I love about, like, the type of paper they use in Bibles yeah. when you're page it's flipping. Thin onions. Yeah. Skin stuff. Um <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So in Genesis ch chapter 1, actually, um, verse 26, he's creating man and woman on the sixth day. And he says this in, in 126 of Genesis. Then God said, let, let us make man in our own image, according to our likeness. They will rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, and livestock and all the earth, and the creatures that crawl on the earth. So God created man in his own image. He's using the word man there to mean like humanity, mankind, because then he says... He created them in the image of God. He created them male and female. So God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky and, uh, and every creature that crawls on the earth. Uh, and then later on in chapter two, when it goes back into this again, it talks a little bit more closely about the creation of man and woman. In chapter two, Adam is trying to find a partner that's, that's sort of you know equal to him and worthy. Mm -hmm. Uh, and he can't. He looks at all the animals, and it doesn't really make sense. Um, so this is chapter two, verse eighteen. It says, "Then the Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper as a as his complement." Verse nineteen. So the Lord God formed out of the ground every wild animal and every bird of the sky, and brought each of them to the man, so that uh, to see what he would call it. And whatever the man called a living creature was what was was its name. The man named, uh, gave names to all the livestock, to the birds of the sky, and to every wild animal for the man. No helper was found as his complement. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to come over the man, and he slept. God took one of his ribs and closed the flesh at that place. Then the Lord God made that rib he had taken from the man into a woman and brought her to the man. And the man said, This one at last is born of my bones and flesh of my flesh. This one will be called a woman, for she was taken out of a man. And then verse 24 says, And this is why a man leaves his father and mother and bonds with his wife, and they become one flesh. Both the man and his wife were naked and yet felt no shame. So 
every time in the rest of the Bible that we talk about marriage, there's usually a reference back to one of these passages, right? Yeah. About how God created man and woman, created them in the image of God together, that being fruitful and multiplying is part of that, uh, that they're they're made for each other, that they, they should leave your father and mother and cling to your husband or wife. Um, and, and in here, there's so much language that really matters when it talks about human sexuality uh, human, uh, and gender, um, which is a, a big topic in today's society, right? God created man and woman. And when it talks about the way that this version translates it as his complement, um, that word literally means that they're opposite and like each other. Mm-hmm. So unlike all the animals, they're, they're equals. They're like yeah. each other. But unlike another man would have been, they're opposite of each other. And that, that complement, that, that fitting together of male and female uh, is really important to God's design for sexuality. Uh, and that joining together in, in marriage <clears throat> was God's design for male and female. Yeah. And that coming together in sexual union is a part of that design for man and, man and woman, which doesn't mean that if you never get married, uh, you're somehow missing out on part of God's design. But yeah. it does mean that uh, homosexual sex is not the way that God designed it to be. Mm-hmm. And it also means that there's something about sex that's just designed for union uh, and complementing one another and coming yeah. together and building a relationship. So sex, and it talks about being fruitful and, and multiplying, right? So sex is made for procreation, obviously, if you've missed how that works. That are showing the difference between male and female. Uh, and it's it's for all of these things. Yeah. But there are other passages in the Bible that we also need to consider that are really important. Um, I think Song of Solomon would be a good example, but people argue about what that means. So let me show you a more clear one. Uh, Proverbs chapter 5. Song uh, of Solomon also might be a little too racy for this podcast. Well, this one's not going to be any less racy. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so this is talking about the, 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 the first half of chapter 5 is about seducting mm-hmm. sedu- men avoiding seductive women. And the same thing can be said for women ad- avoiding seductive men. Yeah. Um, but then in verse 15, it says, Drink water from your own cistern, water flowing from your own well. Should your springs flow in the streets, streams of water in the public squares? They should be for you alone and not for you to share with strangers. So what that's talking about is the idea of, of sex. You shouldn't um, just indiscriminately have sex with other people. Yeah. You shouldn't, uh, like, that. there's been a gift given to you if you're married, um, according to the Bible standards, that you should enjoy and drink deeply of and, and not share with other people and not uh, corrupt by letting other people take part in. And that's your sexual union with your husband or wife. And, and then this is, so this is written to a young man in particular. But look at um, verse 18. Uh, let your fountain be blessed and take pleasure in the wife of your youth. Take pleasure in the wife of your youth. A loving doe, a graceful fawn, let her breasts always satisfy you. Be lost in her love forever. And then it goes on to talk about not not going off with a, a stranger, the wife of your neighbor or any of those other kind of things. I mean, this is literally saying you should enjoy the body of your wife as a husband. Mm-hmm. That, you should, that you should take pleasure in it. That your, her breasts should satisfy you. Um, I mean, I'm just not mature. Every time it's just a little giggle. Yeah, and I mean, this is the kind of Bible passage that would be kind of awkward to preach in church. But yeah, only because we're weird. Yeah, no, not because we do think that sex is dirty. Yeah, no, right? which uh, and 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 I think part of the rebellion of our culture has been 
uh, the church has done a bad job of teaching about what sex is for, right? Yeah. Sex is is a beautiful thing that God designed. Mm. It, it brings glory to him. That yeah. God is glorified when a husband and wife lovingly serve each other through sex mm-hmm. and, and, and give each other pleasure. I've, uh, I've said it before, and I'll say it again now. Like, that's where... Like, I agree that it, there was the, re, like, society is a bit of rebellion. And mm-hmm. that's where, crass as he might have been, I'm thankful for guys, like, at the time when Mark Driscoll was willing to engage and talk about that. Yeah. Like we've said, it might have been too crass for certain people. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, I had friends who were, like, not Christians who would ask about these things. Yeah. I'm like, if a guy's not going to shy away from the terms then that actually might be beneficial for someone because he's like, if dude's just going to blush and he can't say yeah. boob, yeah. like... <laughs> well, can I be even more crass for a yes. minute? Because we've talked about from a male perspective yeah. a lot. Um, there's a passage, I can't remember exactly where it is in Song of Solomon, that talks about, she's describing her husband's body and how amazing it is. And every translation that I've ever seen talks about his abs are like ivory that's encrusted with jewels, right? So it kind of sounds like somehow his abs are like chiseled and there's jewels in it and it's kind of it doesn't really make a lot of sense but anyway either way she's enjoying her husband's body yeah if you look up the word for abdomen every time it's used in the bible it's actually talking about loins which all of a sudden makes a lot more sense a tusk of ivory with jewels (laughs) what's that talking about right So I mean, the Bible the Bible uses erotic imagery, right? It uses, uh, and, and people say, well, the Song of Solomon is about Jesus' love for the church. Yeah, because that's what that's what sex and marriage ultimately, and, ultimately point us to, right? That, yes. the, that Christ has his bride in the church, and that you know that he loves us with that kind of I mean, not like literally sexual passion, yeah, but that no. kind of passion is how yeah. much he loves us. Yeah, but it's. That doesn't mean it doesn't mean sex, no. right? My, my favorite Bible verse in Song of Solomon <laughs> is in chapter 7. It says, your stature is like a palm tree and your breasts are its clusters. I will climb the tree and grab a hold of the fruit. <laughs> I mean, it's the Bible makes much of oh, sex in it and it, it, does, and it glorifies it, does, it yeah. um, which doesn't mean that, and this is really important too. This is not part of the question, but it's really important, that you can't be satisfied as a human being without sex. Um, that being single and being celibate is also a satisfying way to live life. It's difficult, yeah. but the Bible calls that in 1 Corinthians 7 a gift from God. Right? Yeah. There, there are um, upsides to that. Now, as two married men, that may, that may seem a little bit uh, less convincing, um, but there are some really good books out there, and I think this is part of the, the, the conversation about homosexuality. Um, we're asking some hard things. Yeah. Uh, there's a really great book that I just read by a guy named Ed Shaw. It's called Same-Sex Attraction in the Church, The Surprising Plausibility of the Celibate Life. And so he's a, a pastor in Great Britain who is same-sex attracted, uh, similar to Sam Albury, who's yeah, also written some great who, books on it. That's who I was about uh, to and, uh, But this book talks about, you know, what, what's, what are we asking people to do uh, if, they, if they are attracted to the same sex as this man is? It's difficult. But it's good, and and we've we've taught some things wrongly as the church that are gonna make that more difficult for people. Yeah. Uh, and and so if you have a chance, you can get it on Amazon for like twenty bucks. Um, this podcast can, is not brought to you by Amazon. No. Uh, but that book or, is that or is, Sam is fantastic. Or. Yeah. So Sam Albury wrote a little book called uh, yeah. "Is God Anti-Gay," he's which done is also a number of he's written a bunch of articles and, and sermons, and he's really good too. And these yeah. are from men who. Um, live in that world. They're yeah. celibate, same-sex attracted men who want to honor God. Yeah. Uh, anyway, that was this wasn't the point of the question, but I just wanted yeah. to say because sometimes we just we hype up sex. Yeah. And we don't talk about that. You, you, Jesus 
was the most fulfilled full human that ever lived and he was not married and he never had sex yeah uh, you can live a fulfilled celibate life yeah so and I'll add a tag on that like I think the description of sex that was just provided was was good because it was described as beautiful mm-hmm. as something holy mm-hmm. as something good mm-hmm. and I think the church is now doing a good thing in adjusting that because as we said earlier like the ch- the teaching's been bad where it's like it's dirty mm-hmm. and I think that's something and this is a topic for another time but I just can't help myself uh, <laughs> that's been the theme of this podcast essentially um, where it's the idea of when we're younger you're taught like don't do it it's sin don't do it it's sin it's bad it's bad it's dirty it's sin it's bad Yeah. and then <clears throat> suddenly it's like you're married it's all good now that's yeah, it's pretty mind-blowing when that happens. Yeah, because it also it doesn't set things up well. There, You've had how many ever years? For some people, it's 19. For some people, it's longer. Mm-hmm. Uh, who are now married and have to suddenly course correct and be like, oh, okay, wait, this thing I was told to avoid, to fight against, whatever for my whole life was sin, yeah. is now like, guess what? It's okay. And there's not as many pointers. And, and along with that, um, nobody tells you what sex is like if you've never had sex in the church we're, we're very taboo about it because yeah. again we have this sort of underlying understanding that it's dirty um and so we get our understanding of what sex is like from movies and from porn yeah and and sex is not like it is in movies and it's not like it is in porn no. um, if if sex is difficult sex is ta- sex takes uh, a lot of um emotional coming together to make it good uh it it takes a lot of conversation it takes a lot of crying together and frustration and and the first time it's just like what is happening this is so awkward and 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 i think when i came out of my when i came out of my honeymoon my um because thankfully i mean i i wasn't perfectly pure as a teenager and into my 20s before i got married Uh, but i hadn't had sex i hadn't had intercourse with anybody else uh, besides my wife becky and I was just so thankful at the end of my honeymoon being like, I am so glad I didn't try to do that with somebody I didn't know and trust and wasn't committed to because that was so awkward. Uh, and and it, was, it was uncomfortable and it was, it's messy. Like, it, it, it's difficult. <laughs> so, I mean, uh, and it's people like him is the, well, the reason we don't talk about it because I can't, get, can't talk about it without giggling. No, but it's, see, it's, see. I'm just kidding. Yeah, I know, I know. Uh, I'm giggling just because <clears throat> I just thought, like, I would love, I would love there to be a book written about just like without the nitty gritty but the awkward <laughs> comical times like with this just because mm. the unrealistic <clears throat> expectations of like suddenly it's not sin it's going to be perfect it's going to be fine y'all be good like yeah. never talk about it again where it's like nah man it's two people who don't necessarily understand <laughs> and it's just it's so funny yeah like and that's some of uh, that's some of my favorite memories. Just like the laughter. Because you're like, Memories what? that you can't share with anyone else. Memories that I can't and won't share with anyone else. Just like, just the, the comedy aspect of there's yeah. frustration, there's tears, but it's also like, when you pause to think about it at times, it's like, nah, that's funny. Yeah. 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 And, and, and there's, it's, sex is great. Word. In a married relationship where you Word. can work out your relationship and grow together and love each other and serve each other. Uh, it's not the be-all and end-all of existence. Nope. 
and and it is it is hard it's hard work you know like that's part of i think the the why god designed men and women to be different because you know men you almost don't even need your head on to be able to have sex right like it's just like it's part of we, we have that desire um but you have to slow down and like wait what's going on in your in your mind right now because so, yeah. something's not right and and that's that's part of that intimacy side of things right yeah so um god's designed us to need each other in in that kind of sexual intimacy uh, to learn from each other and to, to become more godly uh through the differences between men and women yeah and just people like person to person like not all women are one way not all men are one way but the, the complementing of each other the like we said the being like each other and yet mm -hmm. opposite of each other uh, really builds into that so mm -hmm. all right well thank you pastor steve thank you so much for uh taking time answering those questions and uh putting up with my constant giggling uh <laughs> Because, oh man. Uh, and you, dear listener, thank you so much uh, for <clears throat> listening to and supporting One Cross Radio for 50 and soon to be plus episodes. Woo. Is this number 50? This is number 50. Nice. Anniversary. Anniversary. I missed the one year, but eh, it, it is what it is. But I'm excited. And uh, I got to let our puppy in, uh, dear Luna. So. Listener, thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Please, if you have any questions that you'd love to ask Pastor Steve or uh, Pastor Tom or Dave Lombardo when he, because he will be on, uh, any of any of the pastors that uh, I've been blessed to have relationships with, please don't hesitate to send them my way. Steve, thanks for joining us. No problem. And you, dear listener, thanks for listening. Hope you have a wonderful day, and God bless, my friends. Take care. Bye. Peace.